0: online and worldwide it's the black and blue report live sort of from studio b
1: here's daniel salerson happy friday everyone and welcome into another installment of the black and blue report i'm daniel salerson filling in for sean kelly who is in charlotte getting ready for pelicans bobcats tonight at time warner cable arena you can compare it to the olympic coverage if you want i am matt lauer filling in for Bob Costas, except Sean doesn't have two eye infections, at least none that I know about. Happy Mardi Gras season to everyone as well. I don't get to take in a lot of the parades due to our NBA schedule, but the previous two Mardi Gras that I have experienced have been awesome. So I hope everyone has a safe and happy carnival season. And don't forget to sprinkle in a little Pelicans basketball while outside watching the parades. Speaking of carnival season, Saints punter Thomas Morstead joins me in Studio B today to talk about Him being the Grand Marshal in tomorrow's crew of Caesar Parade. We'll also get his take on the combine as that is getting underway this weekend. John DeShazer is an Indian. We'll check in with him, get an update on what's going on today and the rest of the weekend. And we'll also hear from head coach Monty Williams from last night's Monty Williams show. So we have plenty to get to. Let's get started. Coming up next, we'll check in with John DeShazer from Indianapolis. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
2: Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Monday, February 24th, when the Los Angeles Clippers come to town. Tip-offs at 7 p.m. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party gets underway at 5.30 and features live music, the Zatarain Season Ticket Garden, and interactive games for the kids. Tickets are limited and are available while supplies last by calling 504-525-HOOP or by visiting pelicans.com today.
3: Here's a valuable
0: lesson I've learned as an Entergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at EntergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Entergy videos walk you through it. Visit EntergySavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Entergy hardwood, hardball and hard knocks. This
1: is the Black and Blue Report. All right, welcome back into the Black and Blue Report. Joining us from Indianapolis, Indiana. I think it's probably a little colder than it is here in New Orleans. He is John the Shazer and JD. Uh I'm guessing you're not laying out by the pool with a drink with an umbrella in your hand right now, are you?
3: No, there's no laying out here. Uh, the temperature has dropped even from yesterday when it was supposed to be cold. Today is significantly colder, overcast, wind blowing, all that good stuff. So it, it, it's kind of par for the course for my travels lately. Everywhere I've gone, it's either been snowing or cold. There is snow on the ground here. You know, that hadn't quite melted. So, yeah, this is this is what I'm accustomed to now.
1: Okay, so I won't tell you that it hit 80 degrees here in New Orleans yesterday. I just won't tell you. Yeah, that. don't tell me that. Okay. Don't
3: tell, I don't need to know that.
1: <laughs> um, you got into Indy early yesterday. Um, I know a lot of the stuff doesn't start till this weekend, but what uh, was there anything that went on yesterday of importance?
3: Well, pretty much uh, the only thing that happened is the uh, players were available for media interviews. That would be yesterday, kicker's special team was an offensive lineman. Uh, they were made, weighed and measured, and, and but no actual drills will begin until Saturday. And um, so that's pretty much part for the course for the first couple of days. They get these guys in, they weigh them, they measure them. Um, those guys yesterday, the kickers, special teamers, uh, and offensive linemen were were able to, to be interviewed by our respective ball clubs. So you know, that happens, but in terms of actual physically getting on the field and doing anything, that hasn't happened yet. And also they had the medical test, and that's the same thing that's going to happen today for for select groups of
1: players who come in. in. So nothing really changes from today as far as yesterday, or the same thing?
3: No, just a different different group today. Today's going to be the quarterbacks and the receivers and also the defensive backs, and they will weigh, measure, they will have their medical test, and they will interview with uh, respective teams You know, during the night, so that's pretty much part of the course for the first couple of days. I, I think this is my first year here, so I didn't know exactly what part of the course is. So I'm saying it like I'm a seasoned vet, but from what I'm told by, by the team and from the players, uh, that's pretty much what happens the first couple of days.
1: Now, uh, speaking of the kickers, Cairo Santos from Tulane was there yesterday speaking to the media, and it, it seemed like he was really interested in, uh, in hoping to be kicking for the Saints next season. Do you get the idea that maybe the Saints are looking into him at this combine?
3: Well, I mean, I think that's a distinct possibility. I think any kid who plays at Tulane right now obviously has an inside track on at least getting a look from the Saints because of the head coach over at Tulane, Chris Johnson, the former Saints assistant wide receivers coach on that Super Bowl team. So, you know, he's pretty much running the exact same system to a degree, that the the Saints ran offensively and probably some of that stuff that they do defensively also. A close relationship remains between he and Coach Sean Payton from the Saints. And also, you know, Cairo Santos was a pretty good kicker. Uh, He was the Lou Grover Award winner in his junior season. You know, didn't quite perform to that level as a senior, but we know the Saints uh, released Garrett Hartley during the season last year. They picked up Shane Graham. Shane Graham was pretty good uh, for a couple of weeks. He you know, he missed a couple of field goal attempts in the NFC Divisional Playoff game in Seattle, but those were difficult conditions. Now, he was re-signed, but certainly I don't think uh, he, he had a, a hammer lock, so to speak, on that position. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the Saints didn't bring in Cairo Santos or another kicker to give uh, Shane Graham a little competition throughout training camp.
1: We're talking with Saints.com writer John DeShazer, who's in Indianapolis this weekend for the Combine. John, what position is the Saints really focusing on this weekend? Is there one in particular, or is there a couple that you may think they had their eye on this weekend?
3: Well, I don't think they are. I mean, I, I think if you had to press it, maybe they might be emphasizing an offensive lineman simply because, you know, they've got two starters, um, Brian as the center, and right tackle Zach Street, who are free agents, and, and who knows what's going to happen there. But they probably feel like they have capable backups on the roster who can replace those guys. And one of the things that they – you know, mentioned yesterday we spoke to general manager Mickey Loomis and, Pro, and player personnel director Ryan Pace. One of the things they was emphasizing yesterday was, you know, you really don't know what you need in the draft until free agency and the the offseason, you know, moves are over. If you can get what you need in free agency. Say the Saints one a receiver, you know, and, and that might be a guy that perhaps they tar- targeted in the draft. But if you're able to get one in free agency or what happens is maybe Joseph Morgan comes back, you know, from his injury he comes back healthy. Well, all of a sudden that position of, you know, what once was a, a strong need now lessens tremendously and you can concentrate on another area. So what they want to do in the offseason is see how their injured players come back, see what they can do in free agency. And then once you get your players from that, that's when you kind of fill in from the draft. And, and general manager Mickey Loomis said yesterday that, you know, the, the pie in the sky scenario is to basically draft the best player available because you've already satisfied all your needs in free agency and in terms of guys returning from injury.
1: Now, you said uh, a lot of the stuff gets going tomorrow as far as the physical aspects, the running, the jumping, and all that, but they still have to go through interviews, wonderlick tests, all that. How much stock do those interviews and those tests play into some team's uh, drafting players? Do you think it has a lot of stake in it, or is it just something that they kind of do just to get a feel for the player?
3: Well, I think they get a little feel for them, but, I mean, for the most part, by the time they get here, you know, the hay's in the barn, so to speak. And so they know everything that prob- probably they need to know about these players. Now, of course, they can go into an interview process and pretty much just you know just botch it completely, and maybe that'll leave an unfavorable you know taste in some teams' mouths. But for the most part, they've done their due diligence on all these guys. You know, there are 300 players here at the combine. Most of these general managers and scouts have seen these guys multiple times. They've done the background work. They've pretty much, you know, interviewed people surrounding them. If not the players themselves, they certainly talked to, you know, their coaches and their teammates and all these kinds of people. So they have a vast, you know, library of knowledge on these guys, and they kind of understand what they're getting into by the time these guys get here. So, like I said, unless they come here and completely box it, just, you know, completely butcher it, I don't think they can they can knock themselves down in terms of the grace that they're all that they already have posted for these teams.
1: Now, you said this is your first time at the Combine, and I know a lot of people get have the chance to watch it on NFL Network and see some of the stuff they do, but is there anything that surprised you since you've been up there that maybe fans don't get to see on the TV that you're kind of surprised or thrown back by?
3: Well, I mean, this thing has turned into, from what I hear, it, it's turned into big business now. It's huge. I mean, it is so vast now, and I think uh, formerly it was just uh, a coaching event for the most part coaches and scouts came up here. They kind of handled their business, and it was pretty quiet, but now this is a huge media conglomeration of, of, you know, everybody you can think of is here covering this event, and and I don't know how much knowledge you come out of it with, and you know, you come out with probably just as much misinformation as actual information because, you know, you'll have some teams throwing up smoke screens, You know, they might run down the players that they actually intend on drafting and those kinds of things, but, you know, it is huge in terms of the vastness from a media standpoint, I mean, the coaches, I think they pretty much go about their business the same way that they always have. They've always come here. They've always done this. So it's pretty routine for them, but for uh, guys like me to come up here, we're tripping all over each other, Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to get, trying to get to these coaches and trying to get to these players. Whereas these guys are accustomed to it. And I think, you know, I think more than anything, they're not accustomed to how big it's gotten in, in terms of media with, you know, everybody from every walk of life, you know, sticking a microphone in this face, trying to get a quote from, you know, about this or that or the other. So, you know, but from that standpoint, I think it's blowing up. Other than that, you know, and I think probably it's grown from a, from a standpoint of, you know, how much these guys put into player, you know, background information and how much they put into the interview process because you're talking about investing millions and millions and millions of dollars into these individuals. And you want to know as much as you possibly can about these guys. So I would imagine the background work on well, most of these players, has gotten a lot more detailed in
1: the last couple of years. Now what can we expect to see on Saints.com for the rest of the weekend?
3: Well, hopefully we're going to talk to some more Saints executives and uh, and uh, write some things about those. We're also going to try to interview uh, some local players um, today with the wide receivers and the defensive backs and the uh, and the quarterbacks here. We'd like to get up you know, with maybe Ryan Grant, the wide receiver from Tulane, and LSU has a couple of wide receivers here, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, as well as the quarterback, Zach Mettenberger. And hopefully we'll be able to catch up with, uh, you know, LSU defensive backs, whether it's Craig Lawson or some other guy. So hopefully we'll be able to put a little local flavor on it, get some of the kids who have played at LSU in Tulane. And whether it's, you know, McNeese or, or, or you know, or or Northeast, uh, excuse me, Southeast Louisiana and Hammond or or anywhere else, we like to get, you know, sort of faith to the guys, to the names, and allow them to talk a little bit about themselves on NewOrleansSaints.com.
1: Sounds good. Look forward to seeing all that later on today. That's John DeShaz- DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., try to stay warm up there and uh, enjoy the experience.
3: Well, the beauty is, you know, we're inside Lucas Oil Stadium. They have closed the roof. It's not open on us, so... You know, we'll deal with it from that standpoint. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay inside as much as I possibly can. Hopefully, here's the thing. By the time I get back home, I guarantee it's going to be cold again because that happens every time I leave town.
1: If that's the case and to stay in Indy, though, I don't want any more cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> that's John DeShazer again from uh, Saints.com. When we come back, we'll hear from Thomas Morstead and his experience with the Combine and also his plans for this weekend's Mardi Gras festivities. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
0: want each show delivered right to your iphone or ipad subscribe to the podcast on itunes by searching black and blue report
1: we have a very special guest today joining us in studio b he is a pro bowl punter for the new orleans saints he is thomas morstead thomas uh, good morning and thanks for joining us today. yeah thanks for having me uh so far uh, let's talk about how your off season is going what 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 do you do usually during the off season how is it, is it a lot of rest or is it a little work a little both well, I always say I'm gonna take time
5: off, but I'm always busy, busy, busy. So um, it's been it's been a good off season. Uh, went on a couple of small vacations with my wife. Um, visited some family. Uh, we've got a kid on our on our on the way, oh. first one. So that's uh, coming up here pretty quick, and uh, we're getting prepared for that. And then um, you know, Mardi Gras, always excited about that. So that's coming up here.
1: We'll talk about Mardi Gras in just a second, but uh, you can't see him right now, but he is wearing a Pelican shirt. He was at the game on Wednesday. Have you always been a big basketball fan, or since uh, you've been in New Orleans and there's an NBA team here, you've kind of grown into the sport a little bit?
5: Well, I've always been a basketball fan. Um, I'm from Houston, and uh, um, the Rockets back in the mid-'90s won two championships, and that was when I was about 8, 9, 10 years old, somewhere in there. and So that was really cool for me growing up and, and uh, seeing that. Um, you know, we are full time Louisiana residents now and New Orleans is our home and uh uh we've definitely taken a liking to this year's team and, and uh we're gonna try and support it just like we would anything else in the city.
1: Do you like the Pelicans branding and obviously with the shirt and stuff, cool colors? I do. You know, I think uh I think Pierre the Pelicans uh
5: accident he had was maybe a blessing in
1: disguise. Yeah. <laughs> his his
5: new nose is looking pretty yeah.
1: good. Absolutely. Um you also had a friend with you at the game on Wednesday, Madison Adams. Um she is battling with uh leukemia. Can you tell me how you befriended her? Yeah. Um I've got a good friend in town
5: uh named Gino. He's a firefighter. Uh New Orleans firefighter and um he's friends with that family and he had asked me if I'd go visit her in the hospital mm-hmm. uh early last season. So I went and saw her and um man, you just you just kind of you just meet people that are uh, have a good good heart and good smile, and she wasn't feeling sorry for herself and she's active and doing stuff and she's just she's not even though she's sick she's she's not acting sick and she's um she's just out and about so I just really kind of connected with her and I was inspired by her and um so I've been trying to help her as best i can um you know I asked people to help fund her because some of the things that she's doing. Are not funded by insurance, and mm-hmm. we raised over thirty thousand oh, wow. on, dollars on one weekend. That's great on the bye weekend last uh, November. So fans stepped up, and that's really cool to see. So she's uh, she's still battling pretty pretty hard, and and uh, we're having a blood drive. She's needed over uh, thirty blood transfusions so far mm-hmm. with all the chemo and different things like that. So um, you know she's she's an awesome girl.
1: So now fans have another chance to step up. To today, you're actually giving blood. Uh, for her, can you tell a little bit more about the event and where can fans go to give blood today?
5: Yeah, it's at Betsy's Pancake House on uh, Canal Street, and um, it's ten thirty to two thirty. And uh, she is—you've heard of a universal donor? She's actually a universal receiver, so okay. she can basically take any type of blood. Um, so anybody can come out and, uh, if you just maybe on your lunch break or so, and uh, you know, give her the gift of life. She's going to need it.
1: Absolutely encouraging fans to go out to Betsy's panca- Pancake House today, 10.30. 10.30, 2.30, correct? That's it. All right. And also, you're, you're very busy this weekend, too. Uh, Mardi Gras is uh, all the parades are kicking off, and you are the Grand Marshal of the crew of Caesar. So talk about how that came about.
5: Uh, just, again, just New Orleans <laughs> connections. You know you know people, and, uh, and people connect you with other people. And I got asked about three or four weeks ago to do it, and, um, you know, I— I've only ridden in one parade before, and it was a Super Bowl parade. Uh, That's a good one to be in. <laughs> it was a good one to be in. Hopefully we have another one right. at some point. Um, but, yeah, I got asked to do it, and um, I don't know. It's, it's It was a huge honor, obviously, <laughs> to, to be able to do it, and um, you know, I'm excited to be a part of it. It's going to be exciting.
1: Now, I did some research before about previous grand marshals. Uh, Britney Spears' sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, Tara Reed and Wild Reynolds Weird Al Yankovic, and you'll actually will become the only the third sports player to be a Grand Marshal in the parade. Will Clark, a baseball player, and Billy Martin. So you are in uh, some pretty good company. There. Very cool. Very cool. What's your favorite part about Mardi Gras? Is it the parades, or is it just the people, the food? What's your favorite part about it?
5: Well, I think it's everything. You know, I try and describe it to, you know, not being from here and then being here for the past five years. I try to describe it to friends and family that haven't been, and um, you know, it's just a great. It's just a great time. Um, there's something for everybody. You know, there's certain sections of the parade route where it's like, hey, you can go out and you bring your kids. It's very family-oriented. Mm-hmm. There are certain sections of the parade maybe it's not so family-oriented. Right. <laughs> um, but there's just – I mean, I feel like the whole region kind of shuts down, mm-hmm. especially for the, the last week of Mardi Gras, and um, everyone's just having a big party. And so – Uh, It's it's great to be a part of, and uh, you know I tell everybody I've I've always been kind of uh, straight laced and strict on myself during the season, and I don't I don't do a lot of things, and um, so it's nice once the season's over to Mm -hmm. have this little bit of time before we get back to the off season where we can just kind of let loose and have fun.
1: Of course, it seems like the NFL off season never ends, and now the combines here this weekend. You uh, participated in the combine um, coming out of SMU, what was your, uh, what do you remember most about your experience at the combine? Um,
5: I was just excited for the competition when I got there. Um, you know, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. I was a small school guy, didn't get a lot, a lot of recognition at all in college. And I kind of had this internal belief that I could be the best, mm-hmm. and I was just excited to compete against all these guys that were all Americans and and the guys that were all ranked in all these different, you know, draft books and things like that. So um, going there was was great. I got to meet and uh, compete against a lot of great guys, and uh, I just remember the actual day where we punted in front of right. all the all the teams, and it was it was really cool.
1: Now uh, some people had pro days, some people skipped a combine. <laughs> Do you see the combine as a.? Some people say, you know, some of that stuff really doesn't matter when it comes to uh, looking at draft stock and all that. Do you believe that the combine is something that possibly helped you uh, gain some draft stock in your career? Or is it something that uh, maybe is a pro day more important? I'm just trying to figure out the combine and its level of importance. <coughs>
5: I would say for kickers and punters, it's huge because mm-hmm. you're in a dome. So, I mean, it's easy to go look at tape of guys, and how do? You, but how, how do you compare one kicker against the other? One guy may have been using different footballs. It may have been cold or hot. It may have been windy. You just don't have the situations to grade these guys on film. You get them all in the same area, same dome, no wind. You get them with the same footballs. There's no other variables besides the actual mm-hmm. player. So – if you're one of the better guys, it's good for you, right? You get to compare yourself against those guys. And like I said, that's what I was excited about when mm-hmm. I went. And I just think uh, across the board, you know, I'm sure everyone has their agent tell them what to do and if they should do it or what they mm-hmm. should do or shouldn't. And my personal views are teams want to – good teams with good organizations, they want to see guys that compete. Mm-hmm. And, you know – because that's a, that's a redeeming quality of any player, regardless of character or anything. If you've got a guy that hates to lose and wants to compete and win, um, you've got to show that off.
1: We're talking with Saints punter Thomas Morstead. And, um, you know, now fans can see most of the Combine on the NFL Network <laughs> and watch all of it. Is there something that maybe fans don't get to see that maybe is something that it would be cool for them to know, like something behind the scenes or what really goes on there at the Combine? Yeah, you know, I would say um, the interviews. Mm-hmm.
5: Which obviously will never be public because right. different teams want to ask different questions, and mm-hmm. that's probably maybe their methodology of how they uh, look at guys. But uh, going in for interviews, and, you know, I have I was interviewed one way. I talked to other guys, and they got asked different questions. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously concerns that they have uh, uh, on every guy and things that they want to know about or question marks that are in their mind. And uh, So I just think it's interesting, that whole experience of meeting these random coaches and gms that you've never met and uh it's it's pretty cool
1: is it just kind of like a job interview you go in there a little nervous you know waiting don't know what the questions are asked or do you kind of have an idea of what they might ask
5: i think if you're well prepared just like for a job interview you should know some of the questions that are going to be asked but you're always going to get the off the wall questions um you know i mean i remember one of the interviews i can't remember what a team it was for but um They were asking me, okay, you know, a a red flag on me was my hands. Can I catch? Can I catch? Mm -hmm. And they're asking me about that. And then all of a sudden he asked me what color dogs do I like? And it kind of caught me (laughs) off guard. And then he kind of went back into his line of questioning. So, you know, just never know what they're okay. going to ask you. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, that's Thomas Morstead joining us in Studio B. Remember, go to Betsy's Pancake House today. 1030 to 230 help Madison Adams donating blood. Thomas will be there. Uh, Thomas, thank you for joining us. Um, enjoy the parade tomorrow, and have a great rest of the off season. All right. Thanks for having me. We'll be back with more on the Black and Blue Report.
0: Buy NBA League Pass and watch the excitement of this season wherever you want. Here it comes. He got it! You'll get live NBA games on your TV, computer, tablet, and phone. Watch the incredible action anywhere. Buy NBA League Pass for only $109. To order now, call 855 NBA LPLP, contact your service provider, or go to NBA.com/slash league pass. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Tonight, the Pelicans are in Charlotte to take on the Bobcats, and this will be the last time ever that New Orleans will play Charlotte and neither team will have the Hornets name. So that's a pretty interesting stat right there. Next year, the Charlotte Bobcats will be the Hornets, and now everyone else will be just as confused as I am sometimes with the team names. Of course, every Thursday night at 8 p.m., you can hear the Monty Williams Show on 105.3 WWLFM. And just in case you missed it, here's a portion of what Monty had to say last night with Sean Kelly.
2: Coach, last night I remember asking you after the game if you thought you had a closer in that fourth quarter. Defensively you had pointed out um, how good of a job you did holding the Knicks and Carmelo Anthony to 20 points. And you just, I think, I I want to make sure I get this right, you felt like you had a couple guys get decent looks and they just didn't fall. Um, Is that the way you kind of... Aside from the second quarter, is that yeah. the way you're going to kind of put a wrap on the next game?
4: I, you know, it's easy to, to delve into different avenues of why you lost mm-hmm. the game. And when you watch the film, we're up by one point. Luke has a three, it goes in and out. Yep. That puts us up by four. It's a totally different game. Uh, J.R. Smith, we play great defense. He shoots an air ball. A.D. can't get it. Tyson can't get it. They both go out of bounds. Carmelo just. Falls into the paint, grabs the ball, makes a layup. Those are the plays that, you know, if it goes our way, it's a different game. And so we can sit here and talk about, well, you know, B-Rob missed a shot. Eric got his shot blocked. Look, the ball didn't bounce our way. There have been games where it did, and we came out on top. We feel bad last night because we were down by 13, fought our way back, took the lead, then couldn't hold on to it. And a great player scored 42 points against our defense when you look at it, they scored 98 for the game. We scored 91. We held them to 20 in the fourth quarter. Like, man, you can't ask for better variables. The ball just didn't bounce our way. And I learned that from from Pop. Sometimes you just got to move past it. Don't overcoach it. You know, don't let the absolute slide. But it, it was real simple for me last night. A great player stepped up and made plays. And and the guys that we needed to just came up a bit short.
2: Yeah, you're leading me right where I want to go with this. The question I wanted to ask you about a game like last night, how different is it when you're either watching the game live or you're in your office right after the game Uh, in your mind, and then how different is it when you actually go back and look uh, at the tape?
4: You'd be amazed that even though you know the outcome, when you watch it on tape, you're still hoping that something else happens. You're watching the film like, okay, go, go, but you know that's not going to happen, and – I think that's part of being competitive and, and wanting to win. Um, it is hard to watch film after a loss because you know what your guy can do, you know what you teach, and when it doesn't happen, it just it stabs you in the heart. And <laughs> I swear, Mickey says it the best. He, he's, he always says coaches get too much of the blame because it's not like we teach mistakes. It's not like we teach guys not to rebound. It's not like we teach guys not to scream. We teach all that stuff all the time. It doesn't always work out that way. And usually the teams that have great talent win. But I, I think you can overcome great talent if you have some talent and you work hard and you play
2: together. We've seen different phases during the season. You and I sometimes can almost see it coming and sometimes it just happens. It seems like different guys have broken out at different times. Um, we talked about Brian's play before the All-Star break and and that was pretty cool. And uh, Do you sense, though, that there's a guy that may be ready to kind of maybe take a step forward as we get toward March here? I, Have you seen it?
4: I think I know guys that need to. <laughs> That's fair, too. But, no, I I, I still see – Like your question is, is a good one. Um, I want AD to step up. That sounds crazy. But since he's made the All-Star team, mm-hmm. his production has come down. and
2: you think there's a rhyme or reason to that?
4: Well, I think it, I think a lot of it's mental. <laughs> there's so much emotion that goes into making the all-star team. You know, he made it that day. We played Minnesota. He goes for 24 and 16, something crazy. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's, he's had some below-AD type games. And I want him – Nate taught me something when I was in Portland. He always said the pre-all-star player and the post-all-star player – Sometimes they're two different guys. If you can get pre and post to be the same guy that's a that's a major uh, achievement, and I want him to get back to and exceed where he was because I know he can now everybody's not capable and I know that's that sounds crazy because it's like well coach he just made the all star team yeah, but I'm coaching him every day, and i I've watched his production come down since that Minnesota game and for us to be really good, A.D. is – it sounds weird, but AD's around 14, 15 rebounds and around five blocks. And that's asking a lot of a 20-year-old. But if we want to be great, that's where he's going to have to be someday. And I think – I believe he can do it every night. I really do. I'm not just saying that. I think A.D. is going to have games where he goes for 35 and 25 and 10 blocks and everybody's going to be wild by it. And I'm just going to be looking at him like – Okay, see you next game, because I think that's what he can do.
2: You know, I, I can't wait. <laughs> um, we're sitting here in Charlotte tonight. This is the start of a stretch of seven of eight on the road. I know you don't think of it that way. Um, that seems daunting a little bit. Uh, just I know what you're going to do. Just focus on Charlotte maybe even D.C. for me for the weekend. After coming out of the All-Star break and – the way you all played against the Knicks, now that you've seen that. What, what would you like to see here against the Bobcats starting tomorrow night?
4: Carryover from practice. That, that was the one thing that was disappointing about the New York game. We had two great practices and a great shoot-around, and we got to the New York game, and it was like, who is that team? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have the kind of carryover that we had in our practice pre-Charlotte and carry that in the shoot-around and have a great game. Um, and we, we had a lag from being off for a week. Um, you could see it but we have to if to be successful we have to be able to do the things that we do in practice in games and we're playing uh, teams that we feel like we can we can beat even though we don't have all of our guys man when i put my game plan together and i watch film i feel like we got more than a shot to go out and and win games and and that's how we approach it so we got to have great carryover the things we've done in practice we got to make sure we do those things in the game and then guys have to let their individual talent, you know, take them over the hump. And, and that's why
2: the, these guys are the best in the world. Coach, I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Good luck this weekend.
4: Thank you, bro. God bless everybody and um, hope to see you guys soon. Keep supporting us. I swear it, it means a lot to our team. It means a lot to me. Um, our guys are fighting their tails off. And, and we want so badly to make you proud.
1: You can catch the action tonight at 6 p.m. Central on 105.3 WWL-FM and also starting at 5.30 on Fox Sports New Orleans. When we come back, I'll wrap things up and put a bow on another week of the Black and Blue Report.
0: Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas.
3: Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab?
0: just supposed to get this round.
3: Whoa, interception!
0: But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers, but I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light, for the NFL fans who do whatever it takes. Here we go.
2: Enjoy responsibly Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer in St. Louis, Missouri.
3: Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus... Get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit Pelicans.com for information on these great
0: features, plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed the shows this week. We had some great guests on as we recapped All Star Weekend, and now we're not too far away from the end of the NBA regular season. Also, football is on the minds of many this weekend since the Combine is going on in Indy, and that's where you'll find Saints.com writer John DeShazer. On the website right now is JD's interviews with Mickey Loomis and Ryan Pace, and coming up later this afternoon, we'll have John's interview with Saints head coach Sean Payton. Don't forget today, if you have some time, go to Betsy's Pancake House and donate blood to help Madison Adams, who is battling with leukemia. Thomas Morstead will be there donating blood, and like he said earlier, she is a universal recipient, so any type of blood work. What a great guy. I really enjoyed my chat with Mr. Morstead and look forward to many more down the road. Next week, we'll wrap up our combine coverage and we'll continue to talk basketball as the Pelicans will hit the road next week for their annual Mardi Gras road trip, in which they'll play five games in eight days. Don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at BlackBlueReport or myself at DSallerson. And feel free to listen to the show on your desktop, PelicansAndSaints.com, or the mobile app, Saints and Pelicans. And, of course, you can also download the show every day on iTunes. Sean Kelly is back in the hosting chair on Monday from our Smoothie King Center studios, where the Pelicans will play host to Chris Paul and the Los Angeles Clippers. I hope everyone enjoys the first weekend of carnival season. And until Monday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at neworleansaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The
3: Black and Blue Report.